Today is part two of my interview with Calvin and Roy. Last episode, we talked about Calvin's entrepreneurship journey. Roy and Calvin offered us advice on how to accomplish goals and create a system that works for you. I actually was able to start running more consistently after implementing a lot of what I learned from that interview. I'm now running five days a week and it's embedded in the system that I've created for myself that works for my schedule. Part one of our interview is a must listen. In part two, which is today's episode, we talk about Calvin's stutter and the tips and tricks he uses in his daily life to live more freely with his stutter. We also talk about overcoming ableism and stuttering in the African-American community and much more. Before we get to part two, Here's an announcement from one of our listeners who is starting a nonprofit about connecting college graduates who stutter with jobs and internships. Are you a college student who stutters and are struggling to find your next internship or full-time job? Three college students, James and Salvador from UC Berkeley and Alex from University of Missouri, are building a nonprofit career network for college students who stutter to find employment opportunities that fits their needs. If you are interested, we've included a form to fill out in our show notes. You can also find it on pwssquad.org or email peoplewhostutter.squad at gmail.com. All right, now let's get to part two with my interview with Calvin Williams Jr. and Roy Dockery. I'm Maya Chupkov, and I'm a woman who stutters. Welcome to Proud Stutter, a show about stuttering and embracing verbal diversity in an effort to change how we talk about it, one conversation at a time. So Calvin, I wanted to ask a little bit more about the relationship with your stutter and First, I guess I have um, a question about openness around stuttering. So how open are you about your stutter in the multiple spaces that you're in? So with family, with friends, with your co-workers, how, how open are you in those spaces? So I think that I have become open, uh, very open with it because I've realized that there's nothing I can do to stop it from being private. I mean, when I talk, it can come out. So at any time, it can come out. It, it, it can come out if I'm on CNBC, if I'm talking to my mom. Like, it can happen at any given time. And so uh, I have become far more open about it. And as those who have stuttered know that, you're tight, that you know, your throat can get tight, and then that's kind of like one of the initial triggers where the stutter can come on. I just felt it now as I talk about it. We just had a talk with my family, my mom, dad, just yesterday about the stutter and speech and things like that. So I think that by uh, being open, it actually makes it more easy to get through it. Now, there's still that bit of a cringe moment whenever it comes up and, and, and those who stutter know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, you don't want folks to look down on you or to think less of you or anything like that. But I've just found that being open about it has made it better for everyone. And because I'll do an interview and then I'll talk with my team, be like, oh man, you know, I, 
I stuttered four times on this thing and they go, we didn't even notice it. And I think that because we're in our heads, we know it's something that we have dealt with or dealing with that when you're open and people are like, I didn't even really notice it. It actually makes it easier to continue to work on it in a, you know, a positive way. Totally. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. So Calvin, when it comes to, um, when it comes to dealing with that as well, and it's especially, and I'll talk a little bit about within the black community as well, because like I said, I have other disabilities. I have a mentee, um, who has several chronic illnesses as well. She actually has the better, not bitter podcast, um, in our community, especially in the African-American community, disabilities in general, but especially like speech impediments and things of that nature aren't normally discussed in a very open forum. Um, one side of yep. our our kind of mutual journey in college that I that I don't think I've ever got to ask you about. And after talking to my mentee about how she had to self-advocate um, at college, like how did you or what is your advice as well, um, especially for people who are coming into college, maybe into spaces that aren't significantly accommodating or even know how to respond to the acknowledgement that like, you know, this is a, a disability that I that, you know, that sometimes requires some adaptation. Um, from an accessibility perspective, but like, how did you navigate that in college? Because, like I said, I didn't really notice that you had a stutter because you didn't speak much. Um, in if, you know, it's like passing in the hallway, right? But, but I did start noticing. I could say sup, really good. Yeah, right. Sup. Like we, you know, no we're, we're guys in the dorm room. We kind of nod and keep moving, yeah. right? But but it, it did when I and when you started speaking publicly, I would see it, and I was like, oh, like I I see that he has a. Um, that he has it, but I, I don't even think in my mind at the time, like at 19 or 20, right, was that that I even thought it was a stutter. So, right, like even that lack of of, of knowledge of like the speech the speech pathology of stuttering that a lot of people aren't aware of, just that awareness and advocacy. Like, how did you navigate that? Because I know, like I said, in when it comes to disabilities or anything like that, there we're we're not very knowledgeable or informed across the board. Um, in a lot of predominantly black spaces. So, you know, what is so crazy is um, I never thought that it was a disability un, un, until you just said it. <laughs> I mean, and I had been in speech therapy since middle school, you know, um, off and on. And so that might be one reason why, because I didn't view it as <clears throat> a disability. Like, I just thought it was just like a challenge, a thing that I just had to deal with when I got stressed or when I talked too fast. Yeah. Um, so it's, so it is interesting that even in my own family, like, and they might've consciously labeled it that, that way. Um, I'll have to ask them. But when I came to a school, um, well, one thing that I have always tried to do is work on myself and work on whatever my gift is. And because I knew that I wasn't going to play basketball, I was like, I am going to be like a professional student and do the best that I can. Uh, so um, I'm actually thankful that a friend that we both know from A&T, she got me into a speech therapist because she was studying speech therapy at A&T. And that was the first time that I, that I, I got help on my, uh, on, my, uh, on my own as a adult. And then I just, I, I just fixed in my mind. I was like, I am going to be so good at what I do that this stutter is not going to stop and that even if it comes up, they're going to be like, well, you know what? He's so good at this other stuff, so I'll let it ride. And so that's probably why as SGA president, I just plowed forward. And that is basically what I've done is that I've always just plowed forward. And I've had 
even on TV, one of those really bad stuttering moments where like your face kind of locks up a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's and like you you feel horrible. But I just am like, that's it. I'm gonna plow through. <laughs> and so I I think that um, that is kind of my mentality that no matter what, I'm not gonna let this stop me. And then on the sidelines, I'm gonna work on it. That's why I'm in this app. Why I would see a speech therapy, a speech therapist, even during COVID through uh, through Zoom, I would do whatever I had to do to get this thing going. Yeah, and that's and that's awesome. And and you know, and even again, and I, I talked to my to my mentee about this. Like, I don't I don't like the term disability in general. Um, and it you know, so I'm like, that's because like you know, to to a lot of times we think about disabilities as as something that's minimizing or reductionist. Um, and like you said, Calvin, you know how many things that I do. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm yep. I'm clearly capable and able of doing a lot. So I don't really consider yep. myself to be disabled either. But when it, you know, just from a societal perspective and, and classifications, right? Because like I'm a disabled veteran, right? Like I have a handicap license plate on my vehicle. Like, yep. um, and when yep. I get out the vehicle, people are always looking at me like, uh, <laughs> like he, you ain't, he, you are handicapped, right? Like you're not handicapped, but it's that it's the, it's the ableism and kind of the normalism aspect of it. Um, but to the point to where, you know, and even not to classify it as condition, um, like a disability, but it's a condition that, that requires a different level of support. So I, you know, I even recognize and applaud your parents and, for even communicating with you about it. Cause like I said, in a lot of spaces, it's yeah. Like you chose to plow through it. <laughs> um, but a lot of people don't have any other kind of advocacy, right? They don't know what it's called. They don't really understand it. And so they're just trying to, they're just trying to um, force through without understanding some of the like pathology behind it. And even you're describing like the, you know, some of the, the, the biological physiological responses that play into the stutter, right. That, that some people may listen to this, that listen to mine and be like, man, I have that too. And not even realizing it's a it's physiologically tied to the to the stutter as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that was a a great point um, to share. And I mean, and that's perseverance for all of us, right? In in any space, um, it's just we we've got to commit to ourselves to to do. But I think for me, and I think it's the same thing for you, Calvin. Like I have enough energy, and I have the ability to do what God made me to do. And I don't Amen. like and, and what I feel called and purpose to do. So the other things that I can't do that other people do, I don't really care because <laughs> yep. I don't like I don't feel like it's a part of of what I'm here for. Right. I think we're all uniquely and wonderfully made. So like I may not need to be as fast as you. I may not need to be as strong as you. I may not. Right. I, I may not need to have the same proclivities that you do, because collectively we should be benefiting humanity. I don't need to do everything. I just need to do what I was made for. Um, and I have, you know, and I and like you said, as long as I focus and. Um, and stick to it. I think you can accomplish that regardless of of any condition that could be that could be perceived as a limitation. Right. It's ju- it just means we have to do something differently. It doesn't mean we can't do it at all. And there's one quick point that I want to make that follows up with what you just said there. I I think that the biggest thing that we have to do is not compare ourselves to someone else. That's the biggest thing that comparing is going to rob it and make you feel like whatever. I compare myself to what I did yesterday. And yes, I see people and I'm like, yo, I want to be like them, but like, I cannot do a comparison of all. Oh, he, you know, we're the same age. He's at this level. I, I, I'm at this level that robs and demotivates. And so I work very hard at not comparing because it's going to slow me down and throw off my whole momentum when I think like that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, 
Roy, I think it was you that mentioned the power of language and having the language to just help you de describe your experience. And I think that's definitely something around stuttering that is lacking a lot because stuttering, like that's one of the only terms, but there's also like different forms of stuttering. Like, like Calvin and I, we have more of a covert stutter and a lot of people who stutter don't even know that covert stuttering is a thing. And as soon as they yeah. learn it, they kind of breathe a sigh of re relief that there's actually something out there that is a de de description of what they've been through this whole, that their whole lives and there's a community ar around it. And so I'm just, um, I just wanted to kind of echo that, um, that I just, I really, as, as someone that is a stuttering advocate, I'm trying to always find new and empowering language so that people can feel more comfortable in their stuttering experience. For, for you know, other entrepreneurs out there that might be aspiring to be an entrepreneur who also have a stutter, what would you say to them? Um, and um, because as an entrepreneur, you, you definitely have to talk a lot and, um, and, and, you know, gather a lot of supporters ar around you. And so do, do you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Yes. And this is for anyone who serves as well. For, for me, something went off in my mind when I could rap a whole song and not stutter. And I don't know if that happens to you as well, but for me, singing or rapping, there's no stutter. Mm -hmm. It's only in conversation. And so that told me like, okay, one, there's a level of familiarity that I have to have with the content that I am saying. Mm. And then, and then, and then two, can I say it in uh not like a melodic way, but where my where my voice is going up and down to where I'm moving like it's a song. And so when I present, I often think about the flow of the presentation. When am I gonna go high, go low, and kind of move with it? When it's engaging to it just helps me talk. But it really showed showed me because I, I can remember this is in the nineties. And like Bone Thugs and Harmony was out, and like they had a song that was super fast rapping. It was Bone Thugs and Biggie, and I could do the whole song without stuttering at all. I was like, "Why can I do that, but I can't do that?" And then that's that is when I that, that's when I realized, okay, one, I need to get so familiar with the, the content where I know it back and forwards, and then I say it with ease. And two, I'm gonna talk with uh, with like a melody or a rhythm. Uh, because it lets me get my breath control in as those of certain know that we have to manage breath control, or at least covertly have to manage breath control, how we move our lips and tongues and do all of those things and singing and rapping, you do it in that time. So I just try and replicate that whenever I do a presentation, uh, at the minimum with the rhythm of how I talk and really knowing the content, uh, and then you go for it from there. And just to add to that real quick, and I know Calvin knows, I don't know if Maya knows that. So I've, I've been a rapper for over 20 years. But interestingly enough, I did not public speak before rapping. 
So I was mm. kind of pushed into public speaking, <laughs> um, performing from a hip hop perspective, and then even getting to the point to where you can battle rap or freestyle. Um, it actually prepared me to be like a podcaster or to be able to respond to an audience. Um, but there is something about the familiarity of like words that you know and you memorize and then kind of creating um, you know, kind of like a melody to it. So I think that, you know, and because uh, <laughs> Calvin talks about that Bone Thugs and Biggie song, like that song was hard for me to recite. That song was, <laughs> you know, that me, song. right? Like, hey. that <laughs> yeah, anyone exactly. who liked hip hop, that was, you know, it was like, you know, for the younger generations, that's like a real fast, like Eminem song that you try to memorize. Um, but it was, yeah. it was that thing, like everybody tried to memorize it. It was like at the bus stop or like you tried to rap as fast as as bone and it was like and in my mind i would do that stuff but i was extremely i'm still an introvert but i did not like speaking in public and i didn't really do it until i was probably 18 or 19 years old so the irony of me pushing calvin to go run for public office when i'm somebody who doesn't often speak in public was more because i didn't <laughs> want to do it um so i'm glad that he volunteered because people were asking me to do it i'm like no i'm not doing it i don't speak in public but you know now i'm the one with the podcast so you see how god works things out <laughs> amen amen so we're getting to the end of our interview um do any of you have last minute thoughts or things you wanted to share before we end i would just say that um I know, one kudos to you on creating a platform because stuttering can feel especially lonely. It's not one of those things where, you know, everyone around you is doing it. And so I went through life being one of the only people that I knew that was stuttering. And so thank you for creating this space to where we can come and be proud of who we are, regardless of what's going on. That's first and foremost. Second, I would just say that. Um, you know, as, and this, and this could just be what my mom said, just to make me feel better, but she would always say that, you know, this is just proof that your mind is working that much faster. And so I saw it more like a superpower and I just hope that er everyone can just take it from like, our minds are moving at a clip that is faster than normal. So we have to slow it down for everyone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, let's do the work to, to, to let our purpose that God has created in all of us come out, uh, because it's going to benefit the whole world so much more. That's awesome. Total, yeah. Totally and, agree. And Maya, yeah, I would just add to that as well. Just celebrating you for, right. There's a lot of topics that people can choose to, to speak on. And I think just having, you know, the honesty and, um, and creating a niche and a place for, um, for people who who struggle with stuttering and then also and I, I love what you're doing in the second season and bringing in co-hosts um, right to learn even that the patience and just um, being able to experience it as well but I, I, I just recognize and want to applaud you for creating um, the space and then highlighting it um, congratulations on the nonprofit. I know what it's like to run one I've had two of them uh, over the years so they're, <laughs> they're fun and stressful um, unlike Calvin I hate trying to raise money uh, so I normally just <laughs> I normally just wind up paying for everything myself. And that's not very good when you run a nonprofit. Uh, but it's um, but yeah, but I, I applaud you on that as well. And not only seeing just the opportunity for the conversation, but I'm sure probably using a nonprofit to branch out with more advocacy and information um, and just creating spaces where people um, can learn more and, and be received um, as well. So I just applaud you in that and just wish you the best in that endeavor as well because I, I know there'll be a lot more coming from you on on the in the nonprofit world and when it comes to advocacy as well so thank you 
Thank you both. And I will definitely be hitting you both up around advocacy stuff, especially I want to do stuff in North Carolina. I think there's a lot of potential there. And so this is not goodbye, but I'll see you later. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Proud Stutter. This episode of Proud Stutter was produced and edited by me, Maya Chupkov. Our music was composed by Augusto Denise and our artwork by Mara Ezekiel and Noah Chupkov. If you have an idea or want to be part of a future episode, visit us at www.proudstutter.com. And if you like the show, you can leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Want to leave us a voicemail? Check out our show notes for the the number to call in. More importantly, tell your friends to listen too. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. Be proud and be you.